This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of morning doc good to see you uh looking so resplendent in your uh what what is that jacket, Doc? That you you are. I think you are the, the living embodiment of what used to be called in the dark days the Hilbedreivergang. <laughs> the yellow Gordon, peril. For it's uh, likely this is just an audio, so our guests can't see it. It's a it's a yellow puffer jacket. You know, you'd probably uh, I've worn it once before. You may not remember. You said it looked like a Hart Bay fisherman. Well, which, you, I tell you what, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because I can see you in your James Bond <laughs> hideaway in the mountains there, skiing down the slopes and that. So I'm going to just convince myself it's a James Bond jacket. It's an, yeah, it's an upright ski, off-to-ski jacket. So I didn't wear it on the mountains, but certainly around the village. Yeah, so all good. Well, I'm, I'm going to introduce our guest um, in a moment, uh, but I'm going to just ask you quickly, just a quick recap. We had the Napster on last week and you were going off to participate in the next chapter conference which happened uh, last week just just tell us a bit about how it went and yeah. any any of the big learnings that you you came away from that with yeah it was great Gordon. i think you know napster put on a good show in johannesburg top bill of of presenters you know across the board speaking predominantly to young creatives when i say young creatives djs poets writers people trying to transition from writing poetry perhaps writing copy you know into into creative houses people working for creative houses etc at T, uh, tbwa's offices in Santon. And and good, you know, lessons about what do you do now as we're coming out of COVID. You know, some of those uh, young people that had lost their jobs, or for that matter, were battling to find their next thing, and hence the concept of the next chapter. You know, so it was very good. And, and we spoke openly about some technical obvious issues, and then also some issues that are, I guess, uniquely South African issues around transformation, around skills-based 
entry into into certain portfolios and very interesting we had Kinsani Nobanda from Nedbank speaking very honestly and very openly about what she looks for in people and and quite interestingly Gordon it was around absolute ability you know and and not just transformation uh and and transformation in the wider sense in other words being very cognizant and you know their their lead agency is joe public that is and they did a big sale out a year or two ago we had pepe maria on the show yeah. before and so kenzie spoke openly about facilitating that big transformational buyout or sale but also speaking to young creatives about not just relying on one or two historical aspects or what you would call a leg up, but really coming with your best skill set and then, you know, uh, playing playing your, your your best hand. Oh, well, I love what you've just said because, I mean, absolute ability is what it's all about. Either we're world-class in South mm. African advertising or we're not. Mm. But speaking of uh, some of those, those key points about the... Uh, um, your buyouts and, and engagement on absolute ability and transformation. Our guest uh, this morning is the managing director of Loisi Capital and a director of Ebony and Ivory. Uh, welcome, Nambini Mekhlamukulu. It's really nice, Nambi, to, to have you here today. Thanks for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Gordon. Thanks for the invite. Always good to see you. So let's just take a step back because it's a really interesting story. Uh, Loisi Capital has bought into Ebony and Ivory, and that's really what we're going to talk about today. But Maybe for the listeners out there, some context on Loisi Capital. Um, and is, more specifically, is this your first venture into the communications industry in terms of, of a buy-in? So Loisi Capital is a women's investment holding company. The idea behind that was we looked and saw the advantage, obviously, that's presented itself to African women um, to be able to meaningfully participate in the economy. Uh, and we took advantage of that to be able to identify opportunities that we are passionate about, where we can add value and where we can help grow the businesses. But obviously that also comes at you buy the stake in the business, you pay money for it. And like any other investment, then you're going to be able to look for it. Yes, it is our first investment in the communications arena, but we do have um, another investment outside of the communications arena in an environmental, uh, it's an environmental business called Digby Wells Environmental. So we are very excited. Uh, I mean, Paul and I, uh, this is almost a delayed um, talking about our partnership. We have been partners since 2019, August 2019. I remember the day we signed very well. And our working relationship has really been a great one. Um, when I say a great one, Gordon, it means we've really just worked well as business partners, working to ensure that there is sustainability of the business and building for the future. Yeah. So just to, to qualify for our listeners, the Paul we're talking about here is Paul Middleton. And if we look at Ebony and Ivory, Doc, um, I'm doing my homework, and I think I'm correct in saying that uh, Middleton Advertising, as it was, uh, became Ebony and Ivory, and now the partnership with Loisi Capital, is, is South Africa's oldest independent advertising mm. agency. They, from day one, have been independent, and I think that's quite a remarkable story. We've had lots of independent agencies that have morphed into bigger and then partnered with global groups, but mm. I'm pretty confident in saying that Middleton Advertising, Ebony and Ivory, is, is the oldest independent group. I think that's still correct. You're correct. 
Hi, Doc. Hey. I do love the jacket, by the way. <laughs> no, don't <laughs> encourage them, Nobini, please. <laughs> I love it. I think it's stunning. It's and the scatulas? What about the scatulas? <laughs> the shoes. I, uh, the first thing I, not- I noticed the shoes before the jacket. <laughs> I am that shoe person. And I just looked at them and I thought, wow, I would wear those. Um, yes, Gordon, you're correct. We are the oldest independent um, agency. And that really has been by design. If you remember correctly, uh, the agency was called uh, Paul Middleton Agency, named after Paul's dad, who mm. was also Paul mm. Senior. Um, and then Paul took the helm of uh, over the agency while he started working with his dad in 1980, took over the running of the agency just before 1994, so 1990, and that's when he changed the company name to Ebony and Ivory. Mm. And yeah, and it is by design the agency has stayed independent and the reason why is really to be able to connect more with South African uh, brands. We are a medium tier sized agency. What we say is our biggest value add is our ability to connect, our ability to service clients, but also to maximize relatively um, modest budgets Mm. and make the best out of them. Not every client is going to be spending 50 million rand, for example. Mm. There are smaller clients who say, so our sweet spot is anything from about, now we're looking at about two and a half upwards, Mm. and we service those clients very well. Obviously, we do have a mix of really larger clients who spend in the multiples of millions, Mm. and we've also got clients who really have tight budgets. So because we're a full-service offering, we're able to direct them where we are best able to serve service them and give them full value add. Yeah, and I think just you know, Nobini uh, from our side, welcome and and you know it's fantastic chatting with you. Um, I, I think you know you make a, f- a few points there with full service and and you know the true value of full service, if you think through it, is to get that synergy and to be able to talk, Gordon. You know we've spoken at length now on the show with various guests about the disjoint sometimes between the lead creative, the media house. There's a fall away there. Then there's a digital partner that may or may not be included. There's the, the Cinderella, the old school PR that some sits somewhere else, uh, etc. And it's and it's quite encouraging that you're saying you've got that to look at that synergy. And you and I spoke off air just about how involved you are as opposed to just a financial arm's length and that you've just come and are returning to training today on media, Gordon, I mean, that's your sweet spot and, and the waste, potential waste that sits within that, whether it's client-side sloppiness, whether it's media inefficiency, all of it, I've seen it, you know, and, and probably been party or guilty uh, to a lesser or greater degree. And so it's nice that two things, one, that you're not just investing in an arm's length and going to the court lease to see the results, but uh, you are part of it. And secondly, that it is a full service uh, to pull all those those aspects together. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, full service also in the sense that uh, unlike uh, many people in the industry, everyone's working in the office. I mean, it's, it is whenever I feel lonely and depressed because I'm working from home the, and Elon Musk, you're right, we, we do need to go back in. It, it's, for me, it's encouraging because uh, advertising, particularly the interface between media and creative, has always been a collaborative process. I don't know how you can sit in a room 
and conceptualize without sharing. So, I mean, you you've, you guys have had the kind of agency running live almost all the way through. It's it's just like going back in a time warp because there's drinks on a Friday and it's, it's just part of the culture. So what we decided to do um, as soon as we were able to go back to offices um, during uh, just after hard lockdown, we developed a rotation process, who goes back into the office and who does what. And that process really was designed around which teams work together best and how. And then we then moved to everybody going back into the office. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is um, we decided teams work better when we're all able to sit around in a room. When we were working offline and somebody is sitting on the coast and mm -hmm. someone sitting you know, on a farm and another one in the apartment somewhere, we found that you're getting a lot of what we're calling the broken telephone syndrome. Yeah. Mm. So the messages were getting lost and mm. things were just taking longer to do. Now we were responsibly able to go back, mm. social distancing, looking mm. after each yeah. other, mm. and to be able to say, how do we work in a way and in a formula that has worked for us and Throughout lockdown, mm. we were able to increase our revenue. Mm. We were able to win more clients during mm. this time, mm. which is really unheard of in yeah. terms of what else is happening with the competition. Mm. So we've been really grateful and blessed to be able to do that. But that really is a testament of us saying our teams must go back. I remember when Paul started saying, oh, Nombini, I think the team needs to go back. A part of me was like, oh, my God, I'm so scared. Yeah. health-wise for everybody. Yeah. But we developed a system and we put in measures uh, that we're able to make sure that everybody goes back. We went back with everybody. And what we've seen with that is clients who also were requesting us to say, we can't meet at our offices, but can we bring our teams to meet with you? Mm. And we've seen that we've just been able to achieve so much more. Mm. The alignment of goal and mm. to being able to make sure, just because we have covid doesn't mean that uh, companies don't have objectives. They no. don't have targets to meet mm -hmm. and bottom lines to service. So we were able to, question to navigate for you. that. Yeah, quick question for you on that, Doc. I mean, for me, I always felt, you know, when I was working in agencies that the, the agency environment was something clients enjoyed coming into because it was energized. Yeah. I mean, how did you feel about it? I mean, were you the yeah. kind of client that oh, enjoyed being in the yeah. agency? Yeah, definitely, Gordon. I always, always liked it and I, and I liked it because it was very creative and most of the people I worked with liked it as well. That Not just the socials, that was part of it, but certainly just almost the air smells different. You know, you walk into an agency and it's invariably... Oh, I might be able to help you with that, uh, Doc. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the awards are there. So there's, there's a symbol of, of performance, yeah. you yes. know. Um, there's color. There's all those cues that lead you into a place where it almost feels like your home away from yeah. home. And we certainly, uh, I say, through all the companies I worked at, always enjoyed that from very small agencies. You know, I didn't always work at big companies. Yeah. So some companies that were very performance marketing driven. So, you know, it was very retail-y. But even the retail old school broadsheets were colorful and vibey and mm. you know you had to move stuff around all the way through to the big brand campaigns that were massive you know that were some of the biggest yeah. campaigns in the country so we enjoyed that but I think Namini the point you make there and you, you make the point and you use the phrase the broken telephone and that and we've also made that point the irony of it is that you know you're selling communications yet within your own house 
you communicate badly with yeah. all those stakeholders, mm-hmm. and that's that's always the interesting part. It's the you know the cobbler and the shoes top top uh, top scenario, starting inward and looking outward, saying, but hold on, if we can't communicate correctly ourselves. How can we? Who gave us the right then to try and sell a silk piece of communication to a client when we can't even talk to each other? So yeah, interesting. And, and so people use different did, methods. Sorry. No, no. What we did uh, for that is one of the first things that we do. We also realized that as a team we were fragmented for a while and we were mm. distanced from each other. Then we had a, a team building again, responsibly organized, so that we can just reconnect mm. and get to know each other. And during also this time, we've been able to do some of our best work. We've produced a couple of TV ads. Two of them were done while we were in hard lockdown, really remotely. I was so worried and nervous because mm. that was a client we had just been awarded mm. just as we went into lockdown. Mm. So that worked out successfully. That was Sasria. And then uh, we're also able to do other commercials and do other work during lockdown. Again, that whole process of being able to bring the creative team and when we're going to production, bring in the production house Mm -hmm. and just finalize and align everything. Mm. What we've also noticed, uh, Doc, for us, what really I think, um, and I think the industry is also doing it a lot more now, uh, going back to redoing it, is those informal sessions. Those informal sessions are not really just about fun. Mm. Those are semi-briefing sessions where client is able to articulate what their vision is. How do we refine the work that we're doing? And again, we are able to bring in the science, like for example, the work that the Gordon does through the media. Mm. Then you're able to engage client more in detail at those informal sessions Mm. than when you do at the standard times. So communication, communication, communication. Mm. We can't overemphasize that, not because we're communicators. I think it applies to every industry. At that stage, one is able to articulate, refine, and should we need to, maybe take a different view of what needs to be done going forward. But what we've found normally is um, if we're working on campaigns, we might only just have to refine by amplifying another and just pulling back on another. I mean, what we're doing now with social media, I don't know, um, Gordon, if you are aware and we've spoken about this, we've developed a social media department which which is independent but part of us. And that sounds like an oxymoron to say independent, Mm -hmm. but part of us. And I'll explain now in a little bit. We realized that social media was so new Mm -hmm. that uh, what I call us all goats, we are not so great at it. And we went out and we found young people who are good at it. And we said, we will empower you. We will help you set up. We'll give you a budget, Mm -hmm. but you'll run this thing on your own. Mm -hmm. And we are investors in this and will help you with clients, but you must also go out and get your own clients. Mm. And the value add that they brought to us, the team and to our client has been really phenomenal. Mm. Our clients are noticing it. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, the advantage of young people in, in a mix is, uh, and those, you know, th- those of the listeners who've been on the old uh, Amasa weekend workshops will know, I always start off by putting the word why mm. uh, up on the wall. So when you're working in your groups, just focus on the why. Mm. We all, we've all learned bad habits. And when you're in those groups, we directly 
training clients or brand mm. managers, you, you, you get posed the question, why are you doing it that way? The young yeah. folks ask me, you know, about the old ways of doing things. Why do you do it that way? Mm. And it forces you to revisit your reasoning behind things. And I think it's a really good discipline that, I, you know, if you work mm. on your own, you shortcut the why, you do it because you do it and you mm. forget to put the why up on the wall and, and mm. figure that out. Um, yeah. But I mean, also just, you know, even besides the why, which is so critical, Gordon, you know, let's get to that principle of why you're doing it. It's also the heart, Nabini, and I've seen it, you know, if every brief was perfect the first time, It'll be cool. You can just mail it. You don't even have to meet. But I mean, uh, very, very rarely have I sat in a session where from product manager, marketing manager, CMO, whoever ultimately gave the brief over to the client, uh, to the creative, was that not changed in some shape or form. So in other words, somebody asked that stupid question, which is not a stupid question. It's just a naive way of looking at it, saying, geez, I never thought of it mm, that way. Mm. And that sometimes comes around that session that could be called drinks it could be called a tissue session it could be called a formal session call it whatever you want and i think your point is let's not get hung up on the title other than the process because what then happens is someone would ask you and i mean i look specifically at uh well i mean right from a big uh, a big brand piece you know the positioning it's not always that clear you know you think to yourself but surely the client knows not always the Mm, case mm. all the way down through t's and c's gordon of a performer of a of a retail ad very critical, you know. I worked a long time in the, in the cell phone business, yeah. and there's thirty thousand T's and C's for this and that. Then you add, and, and, up, and the point of the story is sometimes that comes through in dialogue where you think it's obvious as the yes. product manager because you've spent so much time pouring over the product. It's this and, that, and so many of these, and not for the creative person because they're the person who talks to the client. So if uh, the customer, at least, you know, if they don't understand it there's a very, very good chance the customer's not going to understand. So absolutely, I've always liked it, and I've liked that synergistic effect, you know, that, that you get. And, you know, somebody says something and somebody else mm. says something yeah. else. And yeah. eventually you come out after an hour or two with not totally different, but uh, something better. When I started in advertising, uh, Doc, uh, many years ago, uh, early 90s, and I, I worked uh, for an ad agency, and I remember something that Mike Charlotte used to say, mm. And he used to say there is uh, the freedom of a tight brief. Yeah. Mm. And mm. I didn't understand that fully or appreciate that fully at the time. Yeah. Now where I'm sitting, I really understand mm. that concept. Because if we know exactly what it is that client is looking for, mm. we would literally be able to get our creative teams to be able to do that. As you say, mm. there is no perfect brief. Yeah. And hence why you have these sessions of engagement. Mm. But also there's other nuances until you understand your client, mm. you won't fully understand their brief. Mm. So these getting to know each other sessions are not just designed for social, mm. but it's also business orientated for both sides. Mm. We need to be able to give a good return. Yeah. And gone are the days where there was a straight path to getting an ROI. Mm. That is now all wiggly yeah. and there's a whole lot of obstacles on the way that we all need to be able to navigate. Yeah, I mean, and we, you know, we talked a bit about that uh, before we got going here the the importance of uh, of ROI and one of the obstacles being uh, particularly with respect to to my lens on life media uh, being this excessive intervention from procurement which is you know buying discounts rather than buying results but you, you talked as well about empowering your young social media team one of one of the the key features of of the agency is obviously you level one in terms of empowerment, how important is that for for a local agency? Is it a competitive advantage? And 
in answering that, maybe just some thoughts as well. What are the peculiar challenges that you face as a local agency, 100% local, but level one, versus some of the big players out there who might not have the same uh, BE uh, qualification? Um, for us, being level one was uh, non-negotiable. When um, Loise Capital and Ebony and Ivory got together, i.e. Paul and myself and our representatives got together, we knew that was the end goal. What does uh, being level one mean for us? It means it's not a tick box exercise. We really needed to do that. The transformation of our teams, our EDs, and all of that as per the scorecard, I'm not going to regurgitate mm -hmm. that. Everybody understands that. But also it meant we needed to empower people not just in terms of color. Every member of our team, if they have a certain function to fulfill, they must be empowered to be able to do that to the best of their ability. Mm. Empowerment is not just about uh, the right numbers and the right gender, the right skin color, etc. Mm. Mm. If we've got a young copywriter and she is black, that young copywriter must be able to do the function. If she is white and young, she must be able to do the function. Skills is important for us. And there's enough skills. I, I've never understood for the life of me when people say, I can't go out and find the people. They're there. Yeah. Of course, you, you're not going to go out and shake and tree and they fall off. Mm. But you need to invest time. And then you speak about the challenges that we've had to face, Gordon, was as a a local agency that is chosen to be focused. Um, really, the challenges that we've faced is when we've gone for the international business. And the feedback that we would be getting will be, great, we loved what you did, we loved what you presented to us, but we can't award you this work because of the international alignment. Mm. Mm. That's the one. The other one where we've um, faced some kind of... Um, Challenges is where we've been given the feedback that says, great, we'd love to use you, but we know you don't have presence in X, Y geographies. Mm. And as a result, we now actively um, are in advanced negotiations where soon we'll be making an announcement about some of the work we're doing in East Africa. Mm. So we are making sure that as much as we are a South African agency, 100% South African owned, we need to assert and make our presence mm. felt across the continent. So we're working yeah. on that strategy. And I think the points you've made there are really relevant. They're almost bringing us back to the, the opening part of the discussion where we talked about you know, the next chapter mm. and, and absolute ability. Mm. At the end of the day, you, you're not going to survive, whatever your status is, if you don't populate your agency with people who know, you know what they're doing. And, and you know, you've... You've got to know more than what you're doing. You need to know a lot more than what you're doing. You know, and the difference between the two is margin. You know, I mean, it's, it's yeah. just that simple. Yeah, we've. I mean, again, Gordon, we've. I guess one of the themes of of our podcast over 120 odd episodes has been around continual education. You know, continual pushing yourself and pushing the bar, and not resting back on whatever that is, whether it's you know your past successes, which is sometimes quite dangerous. Uh, or whatever you know, and, and I think the, the lesson there, and you and you speak about procurement now. There's a critical role for procurement from a governance, and, and we understand all those things. But you know, it's no use buying the wrong thing cheaply because yeah. that's the point of the exercise. Mm. You know, just because it's cheap doesn't mean it's right. So you got to buy what's right 
at the best possible price. I mean, I think, and it sounds like obvious, you know, I mean, so you say to yourself, now, do you really have to go to business school to learn that? Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that just like common sense? But sometimes it's not really. And I think that's the, that's that arm wrestle. And, you know, we've spoken in previous episodes and, and, uh, and, and the leading was about marketing's place, you know, in terms of saying, hold on a second, we don't just go and make flashy ads and we don't just go to parties. We, let's break that stereotype. We have got a very big scientific side to us. And part of that scientific side is an understanding of finance and understanding of return. An understanding of buying well, okay? So so let's dispel that. But the problem, I guess, with telling people is they want to see it. Don't tell me, show me. Yeah. So over time, you need to display that behavior and speak the language of procurement, of finance, etc. But get to the place where you say, but hold on a second. You you can't be making the, all the decisions without consultation because that's the opposite. You know, you're being disrespectful to the function of marketing, just like I'm respecting the function of finance and, and, and procurement. And I think that's the important part, mm. you know, Gordon. Otherwise, mm. you end up buying cheaply but badly. Yeah. Which I think well, you've seen and you yeah. see that in your in your in your particular business. Doc, you know, I always say to the team. Uh, we must never devalue what we do mm. because what we do is a science. Yeah. Marketing is a science. Unfortunately, over the years, I don't know who decided to somehow devalue our profession. Mm. And it's up to all of us as marketers to be able to really lift back our profession to where it used to be mm. and to treat it as such because we all have these models. Nobody just wakes up and gets a brief and then we just churn out rubbish. There is a process and models that we follow through to Mm. give the solutions that we give. Similarly with media buying and, um, you know, there's a media strategy that's developed there. A lot of work and science and modeling Mm. goes into developing that work. Once that's done, the buyers take the strategy and are able to work that and manipulate that, work with that. Yes, client wants to get discounts, but... Why would you want to buy something that will maybe give you numbers, but we won't be able to get your ROI? Because at the end of the day, we don't market just for market's sake. Yes, awareness is part of what we do, but we also need to drive people either to purchase or to use a service. And in order to be able to get that, that's monitored and measured. And that must still remain a measure, not just to be able to say we reach two million people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we've talked about it and, and maybe time to revisit Project Spring, which is the World Federation of Advertisers mm. white paper on uh, the increasing need for marketing and procurement to, to interface. Um, and it, it's really very encouraging. It's the realization um, from procurement and marketers that it's crucial for both disciplines to coexist mm. And to just spend more time talking to each other about about mutual objectives. But you you talked about you know continuous improvement, doc, or continuous learning, and uh, you know how do we how do we make our, our discipline um, how do we up our standards? I mean, one of the key features, and where I've been involved, is, is the education. You you've got a tremendous thought leadership program. Just talk to us a little bit about the thought leadership program. I mean, that's almost like a monthly activity. You have, in fact, I think it's more than monthly. Um, it's our monthly activity program, uh, Gordon, you're correct. Um, for example, now we've just opened up, well, two months ago, we opened up an office in Cape Town, and that was really driven by a demand by our clients who have a presence in the Western Cape, who say, um, going back, and I'm, I'll tie this up to procurement, and then I'll, mm. I'll, I'll come back to um, your, the question that you're asking on thought leadership who said, we need to have and see you in the Western Cape. 
And as we've been there in the past two months, opportunities are coming at us. Uh, and that links to thought leadership in the sense of as much as we all in the same country, but there's regional nuances mm. that we need to be aware of. And the regional nuance there, it's n I'm not now talking politics. Mm. I'm talking about what is the consumer there sometimes looking for? Are you selling a lifestyle mm. as opposed to selling B2, B2B? Yeah, yeah. So what yeah. we're finding, uh, most of our clients that are based up here is B2B. Mm. And we're finding in Cape Town, we're doing now a lot of lifestyle B2C. Mm. And that is now asking our teams to start thinking differently. The thought leadership linked to that, then we need to start bringing to ourselves as an agency is to start saying, how do we gear ourselves up to be able to quickly uh, realign our skill to be able to deliver to that very quickly. Mm. And then on the forums that we have, um, it's multiple forums that we have. Some are online, some are podcasts mm. that we are aware of. And the ones that are really popular and our clients enjoy the most is the ones that we run at the agency on a monthly basis. Mm. And here we um, get an industry expert or a business expert, depending on the topic, who will come in and be able to talk. For example, some of the people we've had, there is Gordon himself, mm. who's come to speak to us about the work that he's done with UCT as leaders in terms of how do we empower our clients to be able to make better decisions when it comes to media buying, placement, mm. and strategies. We've also had uh, different people who will come in like an, a business leader to come in and talk just generic business yeah. principles. Mm. Because at the end of the day, marketers, we're not operating in a vacuum. Mm. We still are part of Exco. Our Exco still reports to the board. Mm. So we need to ensure that we are able to equip our clients as to report to Exco, but also to be able to be aware of what the board requirements are mm. for the organization. Just quickly to talk about uh, UCT, just to mention that, Doc, and then I'm going to leave it to you to wrap up and maybe a few tips, Nambini, for young people coming into advertising. Um, in one of our earlier podcasts, we talked, we, we uh, chatted with Dr. James Lapperman about the uh, the UCT open source textbook uh, marketing to consumers in South Africa. And he just fed me back some information this week. We're now over 70,000 mm. downloads for that uh, open source textbook, which I think is absolutely outstanding. So to Gillian Wrightford, uh, Dr. James, and all the guys on the UCT and all the people who contributed to the book, well done. It's it's an extraordinary achievement. 70,000 downloads for a textbook yeah. is off the charts. Yeah. That is fantastic. And, and obviously to yourself as well, Gordon, who wrote, you know, a chapter on, on media. And, and, and uh, as I say, you know, certainly when we had James on in prep for that, you know, I skimmed through the, the book, but have subsequently read it and used it in many, in many of my, my sessions. And it's fantastic. So again, you know, for young listeners, we always like to leave you with something. You know, I, I, I don't like a bubblegum talk which is tastes great for 10 minutes and then throw it out and it's produced this i like something that's good use and so please go download that book it's fantastic Seventy thousand downloads well done gordon and team and it is great you know uh and 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 maybe what we do at some stages have a close the circle bring james or some of the other authors back onto the show gordon to chat about you know there uh, what has happened subsequent jillian be just an example of that great idea great idea 
Nomini, as we head towards the end, thanks very much for your time. She's, you know, a half an hour flies by. Um, just in closing, one or two little bits or nuggets of advice that you would give to a young person wanting to make their way through, be it media or marketing or the creative space. Oh, Doc. Um, I think the one thing I would say to young people is, this is your career. You've got to treat it seriously. Just like a doctor, an architect, or a lawyer would, you need to start planning long term. My first job was in advertising. Mm. So what I would say to young people is you need to treat this as your career. You need to start a career map and career path yourself. You need to give yourself time. Mm. There is no such thing as overnight success. Yeah. That's the biggest fallacy that's being fed to young people. And it leaves them now really unsatisfied and thinking that I'll go in there in six months' time, I'll be promoted to that. You need, as I said earlier, this is a profession. You need to perfect your skill. Mm. Yeah. And only then will you be able to progress. Yeah. And that's why we have so many greats in the advertising industry. I mean, we've had people like Nunu. We've got your Karabos in this industry. Mm. Guys, those guys did not just get there overnight. They worked really hard, their career path. Mm. So sit with, uh, find yourself mentors, find yourself coaches. But now you also live in a slightly different time to us. There's so much information available on the net. Mm. Learn from people locally, learn from people internationally. And most importantly, immerse yourself in the subject matter. If you've got a certain client, understand your client just not your client in mm. isolation mm. understand their industry you are the only person who can invest in your career and if you do that you will shine through and you'll be noticed thanks namini that's great i mean and absolutely right you know it's that it's i guess that opposite to the immediate world will the microwave world we live in you know the always on social media for its good bits, not its bad bits, uh, saying you still need to spend the time. Sometimes things do take a little bit of time, and it's repetition, you know, and sometimes you're known by your actions and your repeatable actions as opposed to a once-off, you know, Gordon. 10,000 hours, you know, 10,000 yeah. steps, you know. Yeah. They're not bad numbers. I think you've got to put in your 10,000 hours. That's yeah. just that, that simple. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, Benny, thanks for, for the time this, uh, this morning. Really much appreciated. And uh, Doc, good to see you <laughs> looking so colorful in your James Bond ski outfit. Uh, and <laughs> to all our listeners out there, let's keep talking. See you next week. Thank you for inviting me. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.